Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, the senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. You know, uh, in 2015 in Missouri, a 14-year-old boy went on a frozen lake, which is uh, what much of the north of America and Canada will be shortly. A 14-year-old boy fell through the lake uh, and fell beneath the ice. He was under the water and under the ice for 15, over 15 minutes when they finally pulled him out. And tragically, they concluded that they had done all they could to help the boy survive. Um, the boy's body was taken to the hospital. He was not uh, responding. And uh, next minute, his mum, who was a Christian, walked in to see her son lying on the table and people basically given up on him. The mother walked over and uh, the doctors basically said to her, like, he's gone. She walked over. She grabbed the end of his feet and started speaking and said, you will not die, you will live. Put her hands on his feet and said, God, heal my boy now in the name of Jesus. And as he lay on the table, she then also cried out and said, Holy Spirit, I'm his mum, bring back my son in the name of Jesus. And that boy suddenly woke up on the table in front of the doctors to everybody's shock. And, uh, and the mother began to praise and scream and cry as her son rose essentially from the dead. The doctors could not believe what happened and were dumbfounded because that boy to this day has no effects from what happened being under that water and under that ice for that period of time. And uh, a movie has now been made uh, called Breakthrough about the story of this young man living and his mother praying for him to live. If your mother prays for you, you're going to live. <laughs> and if your mother prays for you, you're going to get saved. <laughs> Everybody, I say that to say to you, God has called us to be a supernatural people. And uh, in the lead up to our missions uh, weekend, which is, uh, Pastor Jack is really the lead up, the following week we'll be taking about faith promises. But God really wants us to be praying for all that He's called us to, hello, can I say this? And all that he's called you to, in Jesus' name. So I entitled my message today, Protecting His Miracle, because whatever God calls us to do, which is still part of Wisdom Builds the House, Protecting His Miracle, whatever God calls us as a church to do, when He calls you to our church, you are called to be a part of that miracle. And uh, you just need to know that it's not about certain people at churches that they are the certain special ones who God uses only. No, no, no. We are the priesthood, the Bible says, of all believers. And God wants to use you. And if we'll approach it humbly and graciously, then God will use us in incredible ways in our lives to help a whole lot of people and to see places around the earth that places that we are now serving from Global Heart Church here in Perth that many of us would never have imagined we'd have anything to do with. Um, yet God said, my plan and purpose is that you would serve those people. James chapter 5 says this, it says, the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much in verse 16. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous mother we just saw 
or woman avails much. And the Bible goes on and says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, just like us. Yet he prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its fruit. Everybody, the Bible says the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man. Can I encourage you? God's called us to pray. He's called us to pray passionately. He's called us to pray fervently. And I wanna encourage everybody, if you've not prayed for a while, time to start again. Time to go again. Before church this morning, I was walking around a park somewhere here in Joondalup. I swapped my parks, praying and praying over this service, praying over you this morning early in the park. Praying effectively, praying fervently because God hears our prayers. And I wanna encourage you, He doesn't just hear mine or Sue's, He hears yours. He hears yours just as He heard this mother's prayer. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14 says, my peop- if my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now, when we pray together, everybody, and we pray as a church family, God is working to heal your life. <laughs> I believe He's working to heal your family spiritually by seeing your family be saved and be restored. Our young friend from Anaconda, the Lord was working to heal him. He sent three people from Global Heart Church to say, you need to come to church now. Behind the invitation is God. Behind those things is God working, the Holy Spirit at work to draw people into His Kingdom, to draw people to follow Him, to draw people to know Him in Jesus' Name. So Sunday the 22nd through to Sunday the 29th, we'll be having our... Um, a week of prayer and fasting there as we lay hold of God for what God has for us both here at home and then in these places that He's called us to around the world. I like what Elizabeth Elliot said. She said, prayer lays hold of God's plan and becomes the link between His will and its accomplishment on earth. Amazing things happen and we are given the privilege of being the channels of the Holy Spirit, of the, sorry, of the Holy Spirit's prayer. Cynthia Lewis said, if your day is hemmed in with prayer, it is less likely to, be, to come unraveled. There we go. Christians whose lives are hemmed in with prayer, they are less likely also to come unraveled. Charles Spurgeon said, true prayer is neither a mere mental exercise nor a vocal performance. It is far deeper than that. It is a spiritual transaction with the creator of heaven and earth. Wow. I love that. So powerful. It is a spiritual transaction with the creator of heaven and earth. Abraham Lincoln said, I've been driving many times upon my, sorry, I've been driven many times upon my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I had nowhere else to go. Anybody ever had that? Nowhere to go. I don't know what to do. He says, I had nowhere else to go. My own wisdom and that of all about me seemed insufficient for that day. Good news, everybody. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 7, 7 to 8, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be open. And 1 John 5, 4 says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Let me just say that again, 1 John 5. This is the confidence, have confidence when we approach God, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. A reminder for all of us again that we're asking the Lord first,
firstly, Lord, what's your will? What's your will? I think many times we, you know, we, in our maybe excitement, uh, we enter into presumption, we come up with something and then we're trying to get the Lord in on something that we never asked Him about. Now, I'm not talking about changing your bathroom or, you know, what outfit you should wear. The Lord, is, He's fine with whatever you choose. But in the major decisions of life, everybody, we need to say, Lord, what would you like me to do? Lord, what would you like me to do? Lord, how should I approach this? Lord, how should I approach them? And uh, when we are doing that, the Bible says, well, then if you've asked God for His will and you're working to walk in it and to apply it, then the Bible says, if we're asking anything according to His will, God's responding, yes and amen. We're seeing that now, as you just saw with Pastor Spencer and Leah in Montreal, such a lost personally to me. Spencer worked with me so close up and Leah as well. And yet when I'm there, they know they're meant to be there. And when I'm there, I'm like, I know this is God's will because it's got the supernatural touch of God on it. Look for the supernatural touch, everybody. And if, because if God's told you to do something and you're obeying His will, it will be there in Jesus' Name. You know, acting as if we believe that the Holy Spirit is up to something in our midst is the single greatest game-changing decision a church leadership team can make. So that's what a church can do, but also that's what a young person can do. That's what a family can do, is that we start acting, operating by faith. And you've heard me say many times, you've got to move your hand for God to anoint it. You've got to move it. You've got to do something. What we're doing now when we went to Montreal and said, okay, Lord, these 50, 60 people, God, okay, we're going to merge them in. It's got lots of challenges. But in doing that, it's amazing how it's released such a touch of God and uh, such a supernatural blessing of God in that place where God has called us to. Act boldly when, we, when you expect God to work miracles. Act boldly. Don't be timid in the things of God, everyone. But act boldly and say, Lord, give me the wisdom to know what to do now. Show me what to do. Show me how to act. Show me how to be. And uh, our feelings should follow our faith. Don't, don't be led as a believer by your circumstances. Let what God says to you lead your feelings. Feelings are servants. They're not our masters. Feelings should be servants in your life, not your master. So say, Lord, I, it, God wants us to feel feelings, but what we do is we bring them under His Lordship. You know, at Global Heart Church, everybody, this is not a, the ministry of a few special people, as I said. It's the ministry of all of us together. It's the ministry of all of us together. And this is kind of not, not every church has got it, right? It's, I meet so many people around the world and I'm like, what has God called you to do in His house? They've been in church for 25 years. Then like, I don't know, they say to me. I'm still praying about that. I'm like, what are you doing out in your career? What's God put on your life? I don't know. Everybody's confused and lost. Can I just encourage everybody? One of the most important things you can do is discover what God has for you in His house and out of His house. Look at Romans 12. It describes the gifts that God has put in you to help build up the body of Christ. But then the Scripture is all about the fact that God has a will and a vision for us out in the community. And, uh, and you need to say, Lord, help me to see that and discover that because it will encourage you and lift you in your life. When things are going wrong, you're like, hang on a minute, this is going wrong, but I know I'm in God's will doing it. 
I know I'm in God's will in the house doing this. I know I'm in God's will in my job, my business, because I made God the CEO a good while ago. And you start to see things change. If Jesus is the CEO of your life, everything starts to change. If He's the CEO of your business, your business will start to change. You start to see the supernatural. I didn't have coincidences till I made Jesus the Lord of my life. I don't think I ever saw a coincidence. It would have been, hey, there was a coincidence. It would have been a big moment. But when I made Jesus the Lord of my life, it's like, how's that happened? How's that working? How did that happen? And it's not irregular. It's regular coincidences because He's the CEO of my life. You know, the things that God has placed before us as a church and, uh, you know, uh, here in Perth, with firstly with Tenacious House. Who loves Tenacious House? Come on. So love it. And uh, the hundreds of men who've come through uh, Tenacious House now, we're so blessed and thrilled to see so many of them going forward in life and being given that opportunity. But one thing I realise is uh, God's heart is that what He has called us to do and what He's called our church to do, He wants all of us to protect that. The words that were coming to me over the last couple of weeks, even when I was, you know, obviously in our church in Quebec there, is that God gets you to, God calls us to do things, but not everybody understands that as believers, we are called to protect what God has started. Parents, you are called to protect what God has started in your lives and then protect it in your children's lives. Um, and so protection is very, very important, having that sense of protection. And I was just noting even when I'm in Quebec, right, and I'm there and uh, having quite a few catch-ups with some of the leaders as well. And I felt God's heart of protection for what He has started and what He's doing there. It wasn't coming from me, it was coming from Him. And the Lord's reminding me, I'm doing this, I'm touching that, I'm doing this, but I need my family, my, ch- my Church of Global Heart to be protecting what I'm doing. Wow. So I think the thing that we need to understand before we start becoming a protector is He's your protector. Everybody, you need to realise God wants to be your protector And if He's the Lord of your life, not just, you know, oh yeah, Jesus, He's good, some kind of teacher. No, but if He's the Lord of your life, and if you've you've asked Jesus Christ to save you and then be Lord of your life, then He's your protector. And the good news is Psalm 46 verse 1 says, God is our refuge and strength, our very present help in trouble. So if you're in trouble today and you're a believer and He's your Lord, everybody, you need to know He's with you now in your trouble. God will be with you in your trouble. Reach out and say, Lord, grace me in this moment to go through this season of trouble. And Lord, give me wisdom and wisdom from Your Word and what to do. And sometimes that's one hour at a time. Sometimes that's a day at a time. But God will be your refuge. He'll be your protector. He'll be your strength. 2 Thessalonians 3.3 says, But the Lord is faithful. He will establish you. I love that. And guard you against the evil one. Come on, how good is that? Reach out to God. He's faithful. He'll establish you. Say, Lord, establish me. And if you have children, establish my children. Establish us in your kingdom and guard us against the evil one. Psalm 121 says, The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. Come on, claim that. (laughs) 
Thank you, Lord. You're preserving us from all evil. In Jesus' name. He shall preserve your soul. Um, I like that too, Lord. Protect my walk with you. Father, protect what your, my salvation and protect my, when it talks of the soul here also, the soulish air of my life, my mind, my heart, my will, my emotions, my imagination. Lord, protect those. The Lord shall preserve you and preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. Gee, claim that, hey, everybody. When you get in your car, Lord, Thank You that You're preserving me. You're protecting me as I go out. You're protecting me as I come in from this time forth and even forevermore. Lord, I thank You for Your protection. So we are also, you are also called to be a protector and a protector of what God has started through us. And sometimes we say, how do we protect? How do we protect? Well, we protect with service. We protect with words. We protect with our giving. All of these things, uh, if you're a protector, here's what I've learned. If you're a protector of the things of God, you begin to get careful with your life, careful with your words, careful with your actions, careful with your responses. And you're careful because you know that God has called us in the same way as He is our protector. We are His hands and feet on planet Earth and God has called us to be a protector of what He started. Tenacious house, that opportunity, God doesn't want us to play with it as a church. He's like, protect it, protect it. Even, uh, you know, starting church in Melbourne. I love seeing uh, one of the older ladies in church there in Melbourne, Judy. She's a lovely lady who she's like, I've got, she's got no family now. She's on her own. She lost her husband. She's got no children, no grandchildren. She's got no sisters or brothers alive. And she lives across the road from where we have church in Melbourne. And she's like, this is my family. And she said, I'm now alive because I go to the shops. And she goes, there's somebody from the Melbourne church saying, hi, Judy. Hi, Auntie Judy. And she's, she'd be 70 or a little bit older. And she's like, this is my family now. And I'm like, wow, we need to protect that. We need to protect that. Get what I'm saying? Need to protect it because God, just even in the, you know, in Judy's life, God is doing something great. Jesus always sees the one. So we want to, we're believing for the growth and we're believing for souls and we're believing for impact, but it's always about the one. I love in Zambia, you know, one of the couples there who just couldn't have children. And Sue and I, over many years now, due to us being told we couldn't have children, having so many challenges and doctors telling us over and over again, we weren't going to have kids. And then uh, Sue and I saying, Lord, help us to surrender to you. And Father, help us to get better, not get bitter. And Jesus, help us to love children one way or another. Because Sue really, she's, she's, a, she's a mother and she's, um, you know, she's called children. And, uh, and then in Africa, praying for various couples who couldn't have children and then seeing them get pregnant. One couple I prayed for, they were pregnant in five weeks, hadn't been trying for five or six years. And then Jordan came over, we prayed for them again, they were pregnant again in five weeks. And like, they were just like, uh, that is outrageously God. And there's something about when you surrender to God in the area of your life that God anoints you for breakthrough to help other people. Now when I go to Zambia, she sees me and she's like, she runs. No, Pastor Jared. She's like, she's, she's running around the building. And anyway, and I'm like, I'm not praying for you. I'm not doing anything. And then her husband comes up. He goes, they had two girls. And he's like, Past, he goes, Pastor Jared, I want my son. I went, 
you need to talk. <laughs> you go talk, you know. But like that impact and also the lives of people getting saved. Because a lot of, there's a lot of religion in all parts of the world, but there's a lot of religion in Africa as well. And we're seeing some people getting saved and their lives getting turned around and the hope and starting businesses. And it's just really, really thrilling. But we need to protect it. We need, we need to protect it. You need to protect it. Germany is the same. We need to protect what God is doing there because once again, it's kind of post-Christian. So whatever seeds we're putting in the ground, I love, um, I love uh, Hebrews where it talks about they were serving and seeing God do some things, but then in Hebrews 11, it says that they end up dying in faith. But the seeds that they planted went on and changed the world. So things that even now we're doing uh, through missions out into the world and here at home in Perth, you know, we may not see all of them, but those seeds are going out and they will take root here in Perth and then also around the world and become great trees that you may not see in this life, but you'll hear about in eternity. So uh, I think that's really awesome. But God says, protect it, protect it. Um, uh, one of the key ways to protect them too is to daily protect yourself. There we go. One of the key ways to be a person who's a protector of what God is doing and what God started is to spiritually protect yourself. And uh, sometimes you can be in a miracle. You can be in God doing something, but you can be, I don't know, we can be blinded by comfort, blinded by things in our own hearts, and we can't see what God's doing. Can I just remind everybody again, God set you in the house of God. He's doing something great. He's doing something beyond what you see or can't see. And in Mark chapter 6, it's a powerful passage, but it's quite tragic because the Bible tells us, I'll just read from verse 4. It says, And Jesus told them, hang on, sorry. So the people came to Jesus. I'll just give you a quick overview. And uh, they're all asking, where do they, how does He perform such miracles? How does He teach so amazingly? How is this all happening? And then one of, somebody in the crowd yells out, hang on, isn't he just a carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph? And they were deeply offended and refused to believe in him because they knew him. Gee, that's such human nature, right? Every person here is a person, but the Bible says we know no man or woman any longer by the flesh. It's amazing how that is often not the case. We need to see people as to who God's called them to be and who He says they are, not who they once were. Because it's amazing how you get people come into God's house and they come in broken and blinded and suddenly God's healing them and restoring. And then there's somebody that God's gonna use in your own life. And so the people were offended because they knew Jesus. <laughs> and the Bible says they refused to believe in Him. And Jesus said, a prophet is honoured everywhere except in his own hometown, among his own relatives, in his own family. And because of their unbelief, look at this. Verse 5, Jesus couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. So the Scripture teaching us there that our belief or unbelief impacts Jesus' miraculous work in our life or in the church. Isn't that incredible? So our belief or unbelief is impacting Jesus' work in your life, in your family, in the church. So the Bible is encouraging us all the time to believe. So if you're saying, well, nothing's happening in my life, then the Bible says, yeah, believe. 
because the unbelief here, it's so powerful. It actually stopped Jesus doing any real miracles. If you walk in unbelief, then we may be stopping what God is trying to do. And the problem was they were familiar with Him. Guard against everybody, familiarity. Say, Lord, help me not to get familiar with You, Your plan, Your purpose, because, and what You're doing, because we may actually end up killing the miracle without even realising how that occurred. Jesus is a carer. He cares deeply for you. Psalm 55 verse 22, Cast your cares on the Lord and He will sustain you. 1 Peter 5, Casting all your care upon Him, for He cares for you. Isaiah 41, Fear not, for I am with you. And I love it, goes on and says, Don't be dismayed, I'm going to strengthen you. And then Psalm 8, 4 says, But what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. Look at God's heart. God cares for you. God cares for you. Look at His heart. He's caring. God cares about you, cares about your future, cares about your life, cares about your health, cares about your happiness, cares about, you know, you knowing Him, cares about your children. He cares. And then He says to us, but I also care for Tenacious House. I also care for Melbourne, for Zambia, for Germany, for Montreal, for Perth. I also care. So you and I are called to follow Jesus and also to care for the people in the places He's called us to go in Jesus' Name. We don't know the end of where the Lord's taking us. Some people say, where's it all going? I don't know. Because I'm not the shepherd. He's the shepherd. And when we let go of the edge of the pool, everybody heard that the other day? (laughs) And I was saying, hey, the Christian walk, so many of us are holding on to the edge of the pool. But if you were at Junlap Arena at any stage and you got into that pool when it used to work and the current would go, you'd get in the current and just take you around the pool. That's actually the Christian life, everybody. You let go and you go, all right, which means I've given my fears to Jesus. And the Lord starts taking you in the current of His will. And you end up in all these places where you thought, how did we get here? And the Lord goes, because I brought you here. And when you get there, it's a place of blessing in Jesus' Name. So let's protect and care for ourselves, our families, His church here, and the people to whom He has called us to around the world. And as we do, you watch the blessing of that. Whenever you become a carer and a protector of the things of the Kingdom, the Lord loves it and He begins to bless you in ways that I think we can't kind of count, can't kind of quantify, but also too, when you do that, God begins to change you on the inside and who you become in the process is the most powerful and the most important. Love you guys. Good to be back. Jordy's going to come. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us and special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member, and let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.